So I could use this statement that I'm going to say to define a lot of my teen years, but it applies to this uh, scenario specifically. I made a really bad decision one summer. I was working at a camp, and I was in charge of a youth group kind of like this, and uh, we had this trip planned. We were, we were going to go to an island on a lake and have um, an overnight mini camping retreat. And everything was planned great, except one of the most important parts. I forgot the firewood for the campfires back on the mainland. And by the time I recognized that, everyone had already canoed over to the lake, and we had already set up, and it was time to start the campfire, and it was pitch black. And I made a really bad decision thinking that I was going to drive my boat back to the mainland in the pitch black. Boats don't have headlights, and the moon was not out that night. And that was a really bad decision. I was lucky, or God was very gracious, but definitely God was very gracious to protect me from not hitting anything or, like, missing the river and my motor hitting the ground. Thankfully, I got back safe. But I could have been really dangerous to go out in a boat in the pitch black. Didn't have headlights. Maybe if I was trained, I could have used the stars above me to, like, guide me the way that it should go. Actually, for, like, for centuries of travel, that was the way that sailors were able to get from one spot of the sea or lake to another spot without running aground or hitting something. They were able to find their direction and be guided a certain way by following the pattern of the stars in the sky. One star by itself, except for the sun, let's take the sun out of the equation, one distant star by itself isn't really that helpful to find our path. And frankly, in Markham, if you see one light in the night sky, it's probably a satellite and not a star. One star isn't enough to find our way, but a sky filled with stars as if we're a million fireflies, but not moving, can help you find where north is, where south is, where east is, where west is, and to be guided the direction you need to go. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, God has given you a special job to do. It's a job that he's given every Christian in this room. It's a job that he's given every Christian in this country. It's a job that is given every Christian in this world, in any country, at any time. And that job is that we must shine bright like stars in the universe, guiding our world towards the truth of Jesus Christ. One superstar Christian on a stage behind a pulpit speaking the message isn't enough. God doesn't want one superstar. He wants a sky filled with stars. One superstar musician on a world tour singing a song about Jesus isn't enough. God doesn't want one superstar. He wants a sky filled with stars. God wants you to shine bright in your family, in your school, online, with your friends, wherever you go.
This is what we're focusing our attention on on Tuesday nights for the rest of the school year. What does it mean to shine bright together? And how can we shine bright together? Today and next week, we're going to be considering Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. And today we're just looking at 14 and part of 15. And this passage today is going to teach us when we stand together, we will shine bright together. So let's look at the book and read this. Here it is, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, okay? It says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Let's say this together, okay? Or say it after me. When we stand together, we will shine bright together. Say it with me. When we stand together, we will shine bright together. This is what this passage is going to teach us. When we stand together, we'll shine bright together. So, let's stand together with a godly attitude. Let's stand together with a godly attitude. Keep the Bible open and get your eyes back in the book now, okay? Verse 14 says, and this sounds really simple, because it is really simple. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. That sounds really simple. Have a godly attitude in all things. Really? All things? Have a godly attitude when my parents are asking me to do chores? Yes, all things. Have a godly attitude when someone asks me about a certain person and if they might like them, knowing that you actually like them and now they have a competing crush. Yes, have a godly attitude in all things. Have a godly attitude when I'm hanging out with my siblings and they're a jerk. Yes, all things. Have a godly attitude when there's someone at youth who's alone and I know I should talk to them, but I'd rather be with my friends. All things. Have a godly attitude when someone's sharing in small group and I don't want to listen. Whether it's apple picking or zebra riding, all things is all things is all things. If we're going to stand together and shine bright together, we need to stand together with a godly attitude and not grumble and not dispute. Why was this important for the writer, his name was Paul, why was this important for him to share to this group of Christians? Well, it was important for them to know because there was actually some like heavy drama happening in the church right now. These two ladies were at each other's throats, apparently, because of not godly attitudes, because of their self-centered attitudes. Paul addresses them specifically in chapter 4. And Paul recognized that the self-centered, disputing, grumbling attitudes of these two women affected the whole church. And instead of being able to stand together, they were being pushed apart. Hey, let's take a group quiz together, okay? We're learning to stand together today. Let's take a group quiz, all right? We passed together, we failed together, we're going to do this together, all right? Some of you who might have done Bible quizzing going up, I'm going to lean on you a lot for this game, okay? And if you don't know what Bible quizzing is, don't worry, it's okay. All right, so in Ephesians chapter 5, 
In Ephesians chapter 5, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about the armor of God. Y'all remember that? Armor of God. Okay, here's the group quiz. Let's together list all of the parts of the armor of God. You can put your hand up or just yell it out. I don't care. Belt. A belt of what? Someone help him out. Group. group. Belt of truth. All right, good. We got that. Yeah? Breastplate of righteousness. That's two. We got another one? Yeah? Sword of the Spirit. Boom. Okay, yeah? Shield of faith. Boom. Next. I think we're missing... Huh? Helmet of salvation. Boom. We might be missing one. The footwear of something. The footwear of... Jordans. That's right. The, The Jordans of the gospel of peace. No. Shoes fitted with the gospel of peace. That's right. Helmet of salvation. Shield of faith. Sword of the spirit. Breastplate of righteousness. Belt of truth. Shoes with the gospel of peace. Good job. We passed. Great job, team. Passed together, failed together, we passed. Um, so when we think about shields, I think we think about shields differently from what the Apostle Paul thought. When I think about a shield, I often think about that shield, um, the Captain America shield. The Captain America used his shield to attack by throwing it, somehow magically returning to him every time, and also to protect. But the protecting is not that high quality. It can barely get around his torso. The, the shield that the Apostle Paul had in mind wasn't this one. It was more like this one. This is the shield in ancient warfare. And you couldn't throw it, but the purpose of it was to protect yourself and if you stood side by side with other soldiers, you could protect each other. But if one person wasn't standing side by side, if one person wasn't standing together but pushed apart, the whole group would become vulnerable. And that's what self-centered disputing and grumbling can do in the church. Self-centered, me-first attitudes can push us apart when we should be standing together. We cannot shine bright together if we are not standing together. And we will not be standing together if we let drama from self-centered, me-first attitudes linger in the church. Maybe you're dealing with some drama right now. I've dealt with drama from other Christians. That has a lot of the times been my fault. Maybe you're dealing with some of it uh, right now. We'll only shine bright together if we stand firm together. A self-centered attitude says me first. A godly attitude says this. You before me. Repeat after me. You before me. You before me. If you're struggling with drama, you need to learn to adopt godly attitudes by following our godly example. We can say you before me instead of grumbling and disputing when we learn how God himself said you before me. Get your eyes to the book with me, chapter 2, verse 3. This is what it says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, you before me, but in humility count others more significantly than yourself, you before me. Have this mind amongst yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. He's the godly example. And here is his godly example, verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. Jesus was a servant, you before me. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, this is the ultimate act of service in you before me. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If you're struggling with drama and you want to have a godly attitude, drop the me first attitudes that promote grumbling and disputing and pick up the you-before-me attitudes. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, then follow Jesus' example. We serve others because Jesus served us. Yes, when your parents ask you to do those chores. Yes, when you think someone else has the same crush as you. Yes, when you're playing with your siblings and they're being an idiot. Yes, when you see someone sitting alone at youth and you'd rather be with your friends. Yes, when something else is sharing in small group and you don't want to listen. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. When we stand, yet stand firm together, we'll shine bright together. So let's stand firm with a godly attitude. Because having a godly attitude is staying true to who we are. I love that you guys are taking notes. That's the next thing that you guys can write down. When we stand together, we'll shine bright together. So let's stand together with a godly attitude, staying true to who we are. Well, who are we if we are believers in Jesus? My eyes are back in the book. Verse 14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent. Here it is. Here's who we are. Children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. You see, a godly attitude reflects reflects a godly identity, but a self-centered attitude reflects a self-centered, selfish identity. I don't know about you, but I've heard a lot of YouTube personalities and a lot of pop stars tell me this same thing And it's not helpful. But I hear so many people say it. And maybe you have too. I've heard a lot of YouTubers and a lot of pop stars say the same thing. Just be true to yourself. Maybe you've heard that before too. But I wonder, wonder what do they actually mean when they say be true to themselves? What am I supposed to be true to? What if I don't know, or what if I can't? What if I fail? Does that mean that I don't have the same self-worth as you? What is it? It's not helpful for me because sometimes I don't know who I am. And I see other people in a world where I want to fit in, and I, but I don't know where I fit in. and I don't know what it means to be true to myself. And maybe you felt like I have sometimes, and you get upset and lack confidence in your identity and your self-worth. I wonder if you felt like this ever. Um, It's hard to stay true to myself because sometimes I feel like a background character in Willy Wonka. Excuse me, in Where's Waldo, not Willy Wonka. I just watched the movie the other week. Where's Waldo is this book where there's like all these characters and one Waldo. And you're looking for Waldo. Where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? Passing over every other background character. It doesn't matter because we're just looking for Waldo. 
And that's what it feels like wherever I am. I'm not one of the popular kids. Everyone passes over me, passes over me, passes over me, and nobody cares who I am. How can I be true to myself when I feel like that? Maybe you feel like it's hard to stay true to yourself because life just feels like it's a school test every moment of every day. No one likes you for who you are, or at least you feel that way, because you feel like everyone is assessing every single decision that you make. And it's exhausting. Because maybe you feel like you need to work hard to prove your self-worth. How can I stay true to myself when I'm exhausted by proving myself? It's hard to stay true to myself because sometimes life feels like the fruit section at a supermarket. Everyone's always looking for the best apple. And there's like a hundred apples there. Pick up this apple, and it's like, ah, that's got a little mark on it. I don't need that. Or pick up this apple, ah, that's got a blemish on that. I don't want that one. Everyone's always looking for the best. And everywhere I look, online and around me, everyone looks like it has it all together. So I don't feel like I can actually be myself. And I have to hide my flaws and can't show who I really am. Because I'm afraid that if they see my flaws, they won't accept me and move on to someone else better than me. How can that person truly be themselves? Hey, friends, listen. If you're a follower of Jesus, you don't need to wonder who you are. You don't need to seek for the acceptance of others. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a child of God. And God has shown you his eternal and unconditional love by allowing his own son to die and suffer a punishment that you deserve so that you wouldn't have to suffer that punishment, so that you could be fully forgiven and fully received without condition. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. You're not the forgotten outsider to God if you've believed in Jesus. You're part of God's family. You don't need to prove yourself to God. Jesus has done all the work for you. You don't need to hide your blemishes to God. He's already forgiven you of all of your blemishes. Do you know who you are? Or are you still trying to work to be true to yourself, whatever that means? If you know who you are, then you'll stay true to who you are. So the question is, how can I stay true to myself as a child of God? Well, I would say this first. If you know that you're a child of God, you can stay true to who you are by being obedient and getting baptized. Baptism is a symbol that demonstrates that I've died to my old self that was corrupt with sin and I've been raised to walk in new life. Baptism is staying true to yourself and God has told you to do it. Then this also, staying true to who you are as children of God means that a child of God is going to love their spiritual siblings. Do nothing without grumbling or disputing. 
Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Honest question. If it depended on you, and a visitor came in at a harvest youth and saw the way that you acted, and you represented all of us, would your actions show that we are a spiritual family loved by our Heavenly Father? Or would your actions show that we're like a rival sports team that wants to fight whenever we see each other? Staying true to who we are as children of God means that we're going to love each other. 1 John chapter 4 says, How can you love God who you don't see with your eyes if you do not love your brother who you do see with your eyes? Staying true to ourselves as children of God means that we're going to love our spiritual siblings. It also means that as children of God, we'll stay true to ourselves by loving our Heavenly Father. Honest question. If your small group leader saw the way that you acted at school and compared it to the way that you acted at church, would they be able to say, yep, she's true to herself as a child of God. He's true to himself as a child of God? Or would they say, nope, he compromises and lives just like the world who are enemies of God and don't love God? You know what? I know my own heart. I know that I can be unloving to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I know that I can put others down to make myself feel good. I know that sometimes I don't love God and obey his commandments because I think I can do it all by myself and I don't need God. And that's not loving. That's not a relationship. If you feel like I do, how can we change? How can we change if we're not loving others, if we're not loving God? Well, when I'm unloving towards others, it's because I'm putting myself first. When I'm not loving God, it's because I don't think I need him. This is the key. We love because he first loved us. When you remember who you are, you will stay true to who you are. Drop the effort of trying to earn other people's approval and pick up the truth that you're accepted and received if you've believed in Jesus. When we stand together, we'll shine bright together. The rest of the school year is going to be about how we do this. How can we shine bright to the world? But we needed to start out first by looking at ourselves because if we can't stand together, we're not going to shine bright together. God's not interested in looking for one superstar standing on a stage who can speak a message. God's not interested in one musician who can go on a world tour and sing a song about Jesus. God isn't looking for one superstar. He is looking for a sky filled with bright, shining stars. Are you letting your light shine or are you hiding it before others? If we stand together, we'll shine bright together. So let's stand together with a godly attitude, staying true to who we are as loved children of God. Father in heaven, thank you for the great love that you've shown us in Christ Jesus. 
while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, while we wanted nothing to do with you, you reached out to us. That's an amazing love. God, allow us to learn this and put this to practice. Thank you, Father. Let us be a people who look at each other and say, you before me. I'm, I'm looking forward to this year, Lord, to see how we will shine our light into our schools, into our friendships, and how we will do it standing together. And I'm looking forward to hearing of the stories of our friends who don't know Jesus, who heard about Jesus, and who were guided to believe in Jesus because of these young people right here, Lord. Let us, use us to be your witnesses, your ambassadors, your shining stars, who together will guide a lost world towards the truth of Jesus Christ. Help us, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.